0: You know how many of you? I'm wondering this just by show of hands. How many of you grew up and you watched the cartoon Papa ever? Come on, how many? Come on, Papa, where are you? Why are you? All right, come on, everybody knows Papa. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Papa got a little pipe in his mouth, you know. Papa, little tattoo on Papa, and Papa had a. Had a little girlfriend. Her name was, anybody remember? Olive Oil. What's up? Olive Old, man. He loved Olive Old, man. That was his lady. She was all skinny. And Popeye was skinny. And then there was this dude named Brutus. Anybody remember Brutus, man? Dude was big. And he was mean. And you wouldn't want to run, or run into Brutus in a dark alley, you know what I mean? He's not one of those guys you want to run into to do what's mean and he was big. And, and Popeye in the cartoon would oftentimes find himself where the odds would be against him. He's this small man, Brutus is this big man, and Brutus would have Popeye where the odds would be against him in intimidating circumstances. But Popeye had a secret weapon. And that little skinny man would whip out, anybody remember? Oh, you still watch Popeye, don't you? Come on now, huh? Come on, he whip out that spinach. And every parent loves for their kids to watch Popeye because it's a way to convince them to eat their vegetables. Eat your spinach so you can be like Popeye. And Popeye would eat his secret spinach, and then he would have the strength to get victory over Brutus. And, and you and I find ourselves in life just like Popeye in underdog situations. We find ourselves at times where the odds are against us. Some of you are in situations, you're in circumstances right now where the odds are against you. And life is kind of difficult. The cards are, the deck is stacked against you. And I want you to know if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to know if you've given your life to Jesus Christ that even when the odds are against you there's a secret weapon that you can call on and his name is Jesus and when the odds are against you God is for you. Jesus is on your side. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you and when the odds are against us. And at times in life, they are. God is for us. And what I want to do for the next few moments is give you three things not to be afraid of when the odds are against you. And I want us to look at Noah because Noah, the odds were against him like Popeye, like you and I face in life. And yet Noah, even though the odds were not we're against him. He was not afraid. And I, I want to point out three things. Number one is this. Don't be afraid to stand alone. To stand alone. Let's look at the story of Noah in the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. And I want us to look at chapter 6 and pick up reading in verse number 5. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the, of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But notice verse 8. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Notice this, the only, come on, everybody shout this, everybody shout it, come on, everybody watching online, Midwest City, everybody shout, only. Only. Catch that. The only blameless. Noah was an underdog. (laughs) He was the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. The only blameless person on the entire earth at the time. Think about this, everybody else on planet earth was evil, was violent, was selfish, was prideful, was lustful, was hateful, was envious, was greedy, was jealous, except for a man named Noah. And Noah, he stood out in the world at that time Like a bright full moon on a pitch black dark night, he stood out. When everybody else was bowing down, Noah stood up. When everybody else was going left, Noah went right. Noah stood alone to honor God. And friends, we all come to crossroads in life. And when we get to these crossroads, we will either progress into all that God has for us or we will regress and hinder what God has for us. We all come to a crossroads in life and we have to make a critical decision. And that one decision will either propel us forward with God or propel us backwards in our relationship with God. And and when we get to this crossroads, the the one critical decision, the one thing that, that we have to decide is this, will we stand alone? When we get to the crossroads, the one thing that will propel us forward is our ability to stand alone, and I am who I am today in the Lord Jesus Christ because of times in my life where I've come to a crossroads and I had to make a decision. Am I going to stand alone for God? And it's made me who I am today. I think about when I gave my life in that football locker room and we woke up high school At the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting, when I gave my life to Jesus, my life changed. I went into that locker room pumping filthy music in my mind, bass pumping, and I got out of my my, my Nissan, my Mazda Datsun pickup, and I went in that locker room, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and my life was transformed. I left that football locker room. I, I had all kind of cassette tapes of filthy music, and I threw them away. I destroyed them. I remember going to school. And I would carry my Bible. Here I was, one of the captains of the football team, being recruited to play college football, student council president. And I went to school with my Bible. I remember showing up the next Sunday to church, and I got baptized in water. And I had friends, my boys, that we've been friends for years, grew up together, knew each other, hung out together. And I knew I wasn't strong enough to hang out with them. I knew that Jesus was doing something in my life. He had saved me. I knew I didn't want to live like that. I knew I couldn't hang out with them and continue to go places they were going. And so what happened to me is on Friday nights, Saturday nights, after football games, and when everybody else would be partying and everybody else was hanging out and everybody else was, was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, I had to make a decision. I was at a crossroads. And I chose to, st- to stand alone. And there were many Friday nights my senior year in high school, it was me and Jesus and my Bible. It was a defining moment in my life when everybody else was going left. I made a decision to go right. I said, Jesus, I'm going to honor you. I remember going off my freshman year to Russellville, Arkansas at a state university to play football and and as I was there in two-a-days, man, and you can just imagine two-a-days, athletes at the state university, and, and, man, you got fraternities and sororities, man, and we're playing ball, and two-a-days is over. Everybody's at campus now, and the, the, the girls are chasing after the football players, and the football players are chasing after the girls. And I showed up at that campus. They didn't know who I was. I could have showed up at that campus and and I could have just kind of fit in. They didn't know that I sold out to Jesus Christ my senior year. They didn't know I was serving God. They didn't know I was radical and I carried my Bible around my senior year in high school. They had no clue. And I showed up in that environment and partying and and sex and drinking and drugs. I had my moment at a crossroads. What do you do, Herbert? And I decided Jesus is doing something in my life. I decided to stand alone. The football team very quickly started calling me Rev. Hey, Rev. Friday home game. We have a game Saturday night, Saturday, and it's Friday night. And the fellas and my, 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 my dorm roommate in my dorm room and all the football players, they're going out to party. Rev, Rev, you coming with us, man? Come on, Rev. Come on, you can hang with us. Come on, Rev. You know, that girl likes you. Come on, Rev. I made the decision as a freshman in college, when there were juniors and seniors and captains of the football team, I said, no, man, I'm going I'm to stand alone for Jesus. I was a broke college student, and I can remember many Friday nights, I would find some coins and some change, you know, a couple dollars, and I'd pull up to... Burger King, give me two whoppers with cheese. <laughs> Come on, that's all a brother could afford. Don't be hating me. You remember that? Come on now. You remember that? That's all I had, my last couple of dollars. Hoping mama would send me some more money. You know what I'm saying? And I would ride around Russellville, Arkansas, in my car, by myself. And I remember, I remember the song. There was a song I would listen to over and over and over and over. It it got me through that season of my life when I stood alone. And and the song was called In Christ Alone. And and the song went like this. The The chorus went, In Christ alone I put my trust. I find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. And I would drive and eat my Whopper with cheese. <laughs> Tears would be flooding down my face. I'd get back to my dorm room 10 or 11 o'clock at night. The next morning, my roommate, he, would, I, I, he came in at 2 or 3 in the morning. And he would, we'd wake up and he would tell me, Oh, Coop, it was all red. We was partying. Ah, you should have been with us. But I stood alone. And you will come to a crossroads in your life. Some of you have already been there, but you'll continue to have crossroads in your life. Some of you are at a crossroads right now. And at this crossroad, it is pivotal. It is critical decision. You have a moment that you're going to either propel yourself forward with God or propel yourself backwards with God. You have a critical decision. Will you stand alone? Some of the co-workers at your workplace are doing unethical things. Oh, they justify it. Come on, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it that way. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody's going to find out, even if they do. It's not that big of a deal. And you are at a crossroads. Do you cave in or do you stand alone? Our future is defined at crossroads moments. You're hanging with the fellas and all they do is tell dirty jokes and they want you to chime in and tell dirty jokes too. And come on, man, they're laughing and telling the dirty jokes and you're at a crossroads. Because if you don't laugh at the joke and you don't tell dirty jokes with them, they're going to look at you weird. What's wrong with you? You got all holy now. And people's church is getting to you. It's a crossroads. Will you stand alone and honor god you're, you're you're with the girlfriends and you're you're with with you with your girls and and they're just talking and gossiping about everybody How you know did you see what she was wearing can you believe you she said and look at what i hair i can't believe it I, I don't even know who she thinks she is <laughs> it's your moment you're at a crossroads Because you know what everybody else is going to do? They're going to chime in. They're going to gossip. They're going to tear down people they don't even know. They don't even know their motives. They don't even have a relationship with them. But they're going to tear them down and gossip and judge them. And you're at a crossroads. What do you do? Do you stand alone and honor God? You say, Pastor, how do I even do that? How do I stand alone when everybody else is going left in our society? How do I go right when everybody is caving in and bowing down? How do I stand up for Jesus? How do I do that? Let me tell you how Noah did it. You see verse number 9. The Bible says this about Noah. The Bible says that Noah walked closely with God. It says Noah, he had close fellowship. With God. Can I tell you how Noah was able to stand alone? Noah knew God for himself. This wasn't his grandma's God, it wasn't his grandpa's God, it wasn't his friend's God. Noah walked with God closely. He talked with God, he knew God. And can I tell you, if you're going to be, ha- be stand alone, if you're gonna have the strength to stand up when everybody else is kneeling down, can I tell you it's imperative that you walk closely with God? You gotta know God for yourself. You gotta have a personal relationship with God. You gotta Know his Holy Spirit, you gotta know God for yourself. And Noah walked closely with God, and he was able to stand alone. And the Bible says this in verse number eight: it said that Noah found favor with God. Wow, Noah found favor. Because Noah stood alone, because Noah was blameless, because Noah was a righteous man, Noah found favor with God. And church, can I tell you that when the odds are against you, and Brutus is breathing down your neck, and everybody else is going left, and you're left all by yourself, and when the odds are against you, what you need more than money, what you need more than friends, what you need more than hookup and connections, what you need is the the favor of God, listen, you need the favor of God. It will make all the difference in the world to have the favor of God on your marriage, to have the favor of God of that dating relationship, to have the favor of God upon your career, to have the favor of God upon your finances, to have the favor of God upon your health. The favor of God makes all the difference. And Noah stood alone and he had the favor of God. There's a second thing that I want you to see. A second thing, not to be afraid when the odds are against you. Number two is this. Don't be afraid to make a difference. To make a difference. Understand that one person can make a difference. Come on, everybody shout, me. Come on, I want you to hear this. You can make a difference. One person can make a difference. Noah spent 120 years 120 years building a boat and preaching to people. And it, it appeared that Noah didn't make that big of a difference at all. That's what it appeared. Here, here's what the scripture says in, in the New Testament about Noah. In Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, If he talking about God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and seven. Others, I want you to notice is that Noah was building a boat for 120 years, and the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. He 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 preached righteousness as Noah was building that ark for 120 years. He was preaching, turn to God, give your life over to God. Live for God. Don't live that way. Serve God. He was building that boat, and he was preaching righteousness. Turn to God. He was a preacher of righteousness. And the Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only, come on, everybody shout only. I want you to catch this. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood think about this Noah was building a boat for 120 years and he was preaching righteousness turn to God live for God God's going to send a flood on the earth turn to God for 120 years and the Bible says 8 people got saved really only 7 because Noah was the 8th one 120 years of preaching and nobody got saved but his family it made me feel good this week Sometimes I'm like, God, I've been preaching the gospel. Some of these people have been coming for years. And look at them. Not you, though. Not you. That's the other service. Amen. The other service. But I've been, I've been like, Lord. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and nobody got said, Can you imagine this? hundred and twenty years of preaching. God's going to send a flood. God's going to send a flood. God's going to send a flood. And nobody got on that ark except for his family. Noah has to be thinking, I'm not making that big of a difference. What's the point of preaching? I mean, I've been preaching for 50 years now, and they're laughing at me, they're ridiculing me, they're making fun of me, building this boat. Nobody's turning to God. What's the point? It's been 75 years that I've been preaching and building this stinking boat, and nobody's turning to God. What's the point? And understand this church, oftentimes, When we're making a difference, we don't realize we're making a difference. I want you to hear this. Oftentimes, when we're making a tremendous difference, we don't even realize we're making a difference. And for 120 years, Noah's building a boat. He doesn't think he's making a difference at all. He's preaching righteousness to people. Nobody's turning to God. And Noah doesn't think he's making a difference. But can I tell you that Noah made a huge difference? First of all, Noah made a Difference for his family. His entire family, the Scripture says, was saved. Yes, he preached 120 years, and nobody else got saved, but his family did get saved. There's a valuable lesson that we can learn from this. Even me as a pastor, as a preacher, as a minister, I learned from this. I do not want to preach the gospel and win the whole world to Jesus Christ and lose my own family. Nobody else listened to Noah, but he, he saved his family. He took his family with him. There's something that I want to do, I want to make sure I'm building a boat for my family. And sometimes when it comes to our family, we don't think we're making that big of a difference. You know, we're just building a boat, building a boat in our marriage, building a boat with our kids. We don't think we're making a difference, because you know what? The sparks are not there, the fireworks are gone. Come on, you've been married six months, you know, six weeks, the fireworks are gone. Amen, come on, six weeks, (laughs) gone. So fireworks not there, you know what I mean? And you're just building the boat. You're just building the boat. You're just raising your kids. You're honoring Jesus. You're standing alone. You're honoring the Scriptures. You're you're, you're doing right by your spouse. You're treating them with dignity, honoring the Lord. You're just building the boat. And you don't even realize the difference you're making. Because when you're making a difference, oftentimes you don't even realize you're making a difference when you're just building a boat for 120 years. But he saved his family. I want you to notice that that Noah did make a difference. Noah made a difference for the animals. How many of you, thank God for animals, anybody? Come on. How many of you love animals? How many of you have a pet at home? Come on, how many of you have a pet? Yeah, my family, we don't have a pet right now at home, but my kids, they're at the age that they're asking us for a pet. And they've got to Tiffany now. They've they've been working her over, and she's been on the computer studying animals. And she'd been bringing a computer by me sometimes, showing me animals. And I thought I'm going to buy a kitty cat than then buy a pit bull. Amen. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All you animal lovers, that was just a joke. Animals. Animals. Now, everybody didn't raise their hand when I asked if you have a pet and you like animals. You didn't raise your hand. So better question. How many of you like to eat meat? Come on. Raise your hand. Come on. Raise your hand. Come on. Hand. Come on. Come on. And all of my vegetarian friends, God bless you. (laughs) Hallelujah for you. God bless your heart. But we like meat in the Cooper family. Come on, come on. I thank God for Noah. If it wasn't for Noah, the only meat we would eat would be seafood. And I thank God for bass, and I thank God for catfish, and I thank God for, 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 for shrimp. I thank God, but come on. I thank God for Noah that we can eat some meat meat. Come on, some red meat. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? I thank God. Come on, thank God for Noah getting them animals on that boat. Come on, somebody. I thank God that we could eat some chicken. Come on, somebody. Not baked chickens. Come on, some fried chicken. Come on. I thank God for Noah. Come on, eat some ribs. Baby back with some extra barbecue sauce. I thank God For Noah, come on, eat some neck bones. I'm about to preach up in here and some pig feet. I thank God for Noah that I could eat some ham And Come on, it's Thanksgiving time. I could eat some turkey with some giblet gravy. I thank God. I thank God for Noah. Noah made a tremendous difference and didn't even know it. He made a difference. Noah made a difference for every human being. He made a difference for every human being. Can I tell you, friends, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Noah building that boat. You see, Noah never met Joseph in the Bible. Noah never met Moses. He never met David or Solomon. Noah never met Jonah or the well. Jo- Noah never met Ruth or Esther or Mary, the mother of Jesus. Noah never met Paul or, or Peter in the New Testament. But none of them would have ever walked planet Earth if it wasn't for Noah. You and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Noah. See, we ought to thank God for Noah. He was building that boat for 120 years, and he didn't think he was making a difference. He was preaching, and wasn't nobody listening and getting saved, but Noah made a difference because we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Noah. Thank God for Noah that he built that boat for 120 years. If Noah was alive today, he would tell us that being faithful to do what God wants us to do, no matter how small it seems, makes a big difference. That's what Noah would tell us. You're just building your boat in your career. You're building your boat with your family. You're building the boat in your neighborhood. You're just building your boat by by being faithful to your spouse. And you're just building the boat by by raising your kids or building the boat by investing in your grandkids and showing up at their games and helping them with their homework. You're just building the boat by by, by showing up to work and being faithful to do the right thing. And you're just building the boat. And you don't think you're making a big difference. You're like, well, I don't see any fireworks. I don't see anything happening. Neither did Noah. Noah. But when you're faithful to build a boat and honor God, one person makes a tremendous difference when they just decide the odds are against me, but I'm going to build the boat anyways. And they make a tremendous difference for God. There's a third thing that I want you to see today that We can't be afraid when the odds are against us. And number three is this. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. For the first time. And one of the awesome things about Noah, the underdog, is he wasn't afraid to do something for the first time. Noah built a humongous boat that was taller than a four-story building that was longer and more long and wide than one-and-a-half football fields. Nobody... Up to that point in time, had ever built anything like that. But Noah wasn't afraid to do something for the first time. And so many underdogs, so many of you are missing out on God doing something powerful through your life and in your life because you're afraid to do something for the first time. Pastor, what if I fail? What if I blow it? Listen, don't let fear. And the fear of failure stop you from doing something for the first time. I've got news for you today. We've all failed. We've all failed. Come on, look at your neighbor right there. Look at your neighbor. Come on, stare at your neighbor right now and say, you're not fooling me. Come on, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not fooling me. You failed. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Noah built the boat for the very first time. Don't be afraid. Can I tell you, we all failed. We've all failed. Can I tell you, you don't even remember this, but when you started walking, you couldn't walk? Come on, you were nine months old. Some of you were 12 months old. Some of you were a little weird, and you were 22 months old. That's all right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. We love all of it. This God's house. We love everybody. And you couldn't walk. You're nine months old. You got up. Mm, pow! You hit your head on the coffee table. But you tried for the first time. Come on, how many thank God you didn't give up? Come on, you can walk today. Come on, you know, see, see you can't. See, but you didn't, you didn't succeed the first time. Come on, the first time you tried to talk, you didn't talk. You said, you said, Baba. That's all you could say? Now, all my kids, all my kids said daddy first. All of them, all four of them. Come on. <laughs> dad, dad. It might have sound like, it didn't sound like dad, dad, all of them. But it was dad, dad. <laughs> Don't argue with me. It was dad, dad. But the first time you tried to talk, you couldn't talk. But come on, how many of you are glad you kept trying? You took, you took the first step. You tried something for the first time. Come on, you remember the first time you tried to drive? Come on, you're big and bad now, but come on, remember the first time? You couldn't drive? A lick. You know, my daddy was from the school of hard knocks. My daddy took me out to a pasture, a field. Some of you don't know what a pasture is, you know what I mean? You city took me out to a field where we had owned cows and horses and stuff. And my daddy took me out there, and it took me out there with a truck, a big old work truck to haul hay on. It was a stick shift. My daddy taught me to drive. Don't do that to your child. I'm on a stick shift, and my daddy trying to explain the pedals to me and all that, you know, son, you push the clutch in, you let off slowly, and you put it down, and, and so, and I'm trying. Car stop. My daddy don't have much patience, kind of like me. Boy, push the clutch in. Let it off slow. I'm like, I don't know if I want to learn how to drive. I'll walk to school. I didn't know if I was going to ever get out that field. But I'm glad I didn't give up. And I tried to drive the first time. And Noah, the odds were against him. But it took a step of faith. And the scripture says this in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number 6 about Noah. It says, and it is impossible to please God. Notice this, without faith. See, God is pleased when we take steps of faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Notice this. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith noah took steps of faith noah built a boat can i tell you the bible says that he 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 he, he, of things he never heard of never happened before see many scholars believe that when god approached noah about building an ark it had never rained before noah didn't know what rain was god said "Noah, i'm gonna send a flood what Yeah, Noah, I'm going to make it rain. What? Yeah, water's going to come from the sky. That's never happened before. But it didn't stop Noah from taking a step of faith. And even though he'd never seen rain, he built the boat anyway. Noah builds a boat and Come on, God. I mean, how am I going to build a big boat like this? I got to be way far from the water to build this boat. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. Just build the boat in the middle of the land. But God, how am I going to push a boat one and a half feet, one and a half times the uh, size of a football field and four stories tall? How am I going to get this boat to that water? I can't push that boat in the water. And I've been preaching to these crazy people. They won't, give, they won't turn their life over. To, they're not going to help me with this boat. They're laughing at me. But Noah built the boat anyway, and he took steps of faith. God tells Noah, Noah, you're going to build this big old boat. When you get the boat built, you're going to get two of every kind of animal on the boat, male and female of every kind of animal on the boat. Really? Really, God? I don't even like them lions. I don't even like them. How are we going to get on the boat with them? Elephants? I don't like them big old elephants. I don't want them on the boat with me. How is that going to work, really, God? But Noah took a step of faith and he built the boat. Anyway, I have a question for you today. I close with this. What step of faith is God calling you to take? What step of faith that may be in your family that you've never before said, we're going to just as a family, we're just going to grab the Bible, and this is weird. I've never done this before, but we're just going to read it together. A couple of scriptures, and I've never prayed out loud before, but I'm just going to pray out loud. Maybe it's at your, at your workplace and God said, take a step of faith and you view your work as just making money. And God says, no, 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 i placed place you there to be light and salt and, 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 and you're there. And when's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Pastor, I don't do all that. I don't do all that. No, I, just, I come to church on Sundays. I mean, I'm mean, i a Christian on Sundays. No, I'm talking about this stuff at work. When's your last time? You just said to somebody, Man, let me tell you what God's done for me. Let me tell you how God's changed my life. See, nobody can argue your story. Let me just share it with you. When's the last time you just prayed for somebody at work that were just having a difficult time and you don't even know if they're a believer or not, but you said, can I just say a prayer for you? You said, Pastor, I'm scared to do that. When's the last time you took a step of faith? When's the last time you invited somebody to church because you believe Jesus makes the difference and he can heal the broken heart and he can save people and put them back together? When's the last time you said, would you just come to church with me? You said, Pastor, I can't do that because they'll know I go to church. Yeah, When's the last time? When's the last time God is telling you to take a step of faith in your career and and, and apply for the job or apply for the promotion? When's the last time that you're scaring you? When's the last time you took a step of faith? Anyways, when's the last time you felt like God was nudging you to take a step of faith in your education and go back and get your master's degree? When's the last time you took a step? When's the last time you did something for the first time? You've been planted safe for too long. And God is saying, I want you to build the boat. And I always work by faith. You won't have all the answers. You won't have it all figured out. But build the boat anyways. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time.